All right, High Desert Work Center. Welcome to Wednesday night service. It is awesome to see everybody on a beautiful fall, autumn, Wednesday evening. Lots of good stuff in store. Who had a good time at Harvest Fest last week? It was awesome. We blessed the kids, blessed the parents, blessed the families. It was absolutely incredible. Got a few uh, reminder announcements coming up for you. Uh, first of all, um, the only reason I announce this is because we are a polling location, but uh, the election starts Saturday and runs through Tuesday, all right? And Victory Hall is one of three voting locations in Barstow. And so we anticipate it'll be pretty busy around here uh, over the next several days. They've already been out here setting stuff up this week and everything. So uh, just reminding you that on Sunday, they will be voting over there while we're having church in here. So uh, maybe we'll open up that door and blast them with a little praise music. I don't know. That's still That option's still on the table. But uh, at the same time, uh, just... Keep an eye on the kids and everything. We don't want everybody wandering that way on Sunday. We'll try to stay over here, and we'll let them have that area over there. And if you're this is your voting spot, then, hey, come on out and say some prayers while you're voting. Amen? It'll be great. All right? Uh, now, I hate to admit it, but I typically I try to be wrong only about once a year. Dave, you know what I mean? You're with me, me and the, the Daves, kind of. About once a year, and I was wrong last week. I told you guys that Sunday, this past Sunday, was going to be the time change, and I was wrong. I was looking at my High Desert Word Center calendar, and it said time change, but then in little letters it said UK, United Kingdom. And so apparently in England, they went ahead and changed their clocks back, but, you know, hey, that's okay. Uh, my ancestors came from over there. I think I was just kind of, a, you know, identifying with my ancient roots over there, but... I was wrong for America. And so our time change does occur, though, this weekend on Sunday. So uh, now usually, who actually uses an alarm clock? Renee, are you still on the Did you switch to your phone finally? Okay. Anybody use an actual alarm clock? Nick, do you? No? You, okay. No, use your phone, right? Okay. Anyone? Okay. Well, then pretty much this doesn't even affect you. But if you perchance don't use your phone for an alarm clock, Set your clock back and be here Sunday at the right time, and we are going to have an awesome celebration. What are we celebrating? That Jesus Christ is risen, amen, and that we're going to heaven someday. So that's all I need to say about that. And, of course, uh, we've got Harvest Fest behind us. We're going full blast into the holiday season, and so we're getting some things in the works we'll be announcing soon, but we're going to make the holiday Thanksgiving and Christmas season absolutely awesome this year, so stay tuned when we will announce some things very soon, but we're not going to miss out because of COVID or anything else. We're still going to have an awesome Christmas and Thanksgiving season. Who thinks that sounds fantastic? All right, I'm telling you, man, I am all about this. All right, well, let's go ahead and do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. Who knows what time it is? And you're correct. It is happy time. It is happy time because God loveth a cheerful giver. And I'm glad that I go to a church of cheerful givers. I've been to some places where they were tearful givers. And that's not where I want to be. I want to be around you happy people. So if you need an envelope, raise your hand. If you're giving online, you could go to hdwc.org slash giving. And we're going to open up our Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis 14. This is in the New Living Translation. Genesis chapter 14 because one thing you've got to realize about tithing is it is not a money issue it's all about the heart it's a heart issue and so when jesus can get control of your heart money doesn't mean that much to you anymore yeah man he'll get it to you but you're 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 so able you're so eager to bless god with something that he gave you in the first place so Genesis chapter 14, and I'm going to look at verses 19 and 20. Does anybody know if the book of Genesis chapter 14 is part of the Old Testament law? It is not. It, it predates the Old Testament law of Moses. And so this is before the law of Moses was ever given. And let's look at what happens with Abraham. This is the very first instance of tithing in Scripture he had gone out and won a battle, and the king of Salem, King uh, Melchizedek, came and blessed him, the priest. And so Genesis chapter 14, 
verse 19, it says, Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Has anybody in here, God has defeated your enemies for you. He's defeated enemies for me. I love that. And so look at this. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Abram loved God so much that nobody had to say, you must give the Lord 10%. It's the law. It wasn't the law, but it was on his heart to give God a portion back of what had been given to him. I don't tithe because somebody tells me I have to. I don't tithe because it's the law. I don't tithe because the Bible, Old Testament, and New Testament tells me to, though it does. I tithe because I love God so much that I figure it's the least I could do. And I want to show you one more example. How about Abraham's grandson, Jacob? Look at chapter 28 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 28. Who likes learning a little bit out of the Bible, even on a Wednesday night when you've worked all day? All right, Jacob does. Hey, and this is all about Jacob. Check this out. Genesis chapter 28. Now, we were just in chapter 14. I'm in chapter 28 right now. Does chapter 28, uh, does that occur during the law of Moses or before it? It's before. It predates the law. And so Genesis chapter 28 and verse 22, Jacob was worshiping God with this. And this is what he said. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Jacob was not commanded to tithe. Jacob was not forced to. He loved God so much that said, I am going to honor you. And I'm going to bless you and give you a tenth, a tithe of everything that you ever give to me. And I say, that's the heart. That's the attitude that God's looking for. He doesn't want someone that's giving grudgingly, as Corinthians says, or out of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver, and God loves somebody that tithes because they just love God so much that they would do it either way, right? Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. amen. God is speaking to you. All right, let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over our tithes and offerings. And I remind you that this financial faith confession isn't something we do because we've got nothing better to do. It's not something we do because it sounds cute. It's something we do because it works to speak words of faith over every part of your life. You ought to be speaking words of faith over your children, your marriage, your city, your country, your money, your health, everything. Come on, somebody. Tony, are you feeling it, brother? Thank you, somebody. We got to get this Wednesday crowd awake, all right? So we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings tonight. We're going to worship God with it. And then we're going to sing praises to the Most High. Amen. The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Great I Am, Jesus Christ, who's ready to worship God tonight. Let's, let's stand up together as we speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Here we go. A river of life 
in a driving like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light as it broke in. God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light shining in the dark. You're the source of light leading in my heart. You're the living hope. You're the risen Christ. You restore my soul. Oh, you brought me back to life. The brilliance of your glory awakens my soul. You give me grace and mercy.
stripes on your back for our healing and I know we come boldly to the throne of grace in your name to receive everything we need to wound in life and Lord we bow before you for our hearts today we're totally open in our spirits and our thinking for you to speak to us today to show us exactly precisely what each and every one of us needs to do to navigate through these troubled times we're in right now and we just want to thank you, Jesus. You already told us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that you saw us overcome by the blood of the Lamb. By the word of our testimony, you said because we loved on our lives till the death. We love you more than we love life, Jesus. And we know because of that, you'll give us abundant life. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Well, give somebody an air high five or an elbow or something. And an elbow to elbow, not an elbow to the gut. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much and we're glad we're glad that our church family is able to come together and be able to read the word of God together, receive help from the Holy Ghost. How how many appreciate the Holy Ghost? Amen. The Holy Spirit. Well tonight, uh 
I'm going to be ministering some things that I believe is going to help you. It's what is Jesus saying to High Desert Word Center in 2020. And uh, open up to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to look at some things there. But I've, I've been reading Tony Cook's... Yeah, you can go ahead and cheer. I, I've been reading Tony Cook's new book, and Melinda's ordered a bunch of them for the bookstore. Melinda, any idea they'll be here a week or two, you think? Well, they haven't said anything, huh? Well, it's his new release. I got, I, got, I got his copy that he sends to pastors, but it, it's a book that uh, Tony, as he's been in his downtime writing new books and things like that, it's a really, really, really good book. I've been studying what is Jesus saying uh, to the churches today, and it's out of the book of Revelation to the seven churches that Jesus talks to there. And as I was reading that this morning, again, just studying it and thinking about it, I got to thinking about you, all of you. And I think my life's a little different than yours for the most part, probably, because I kind of live in a bubble. We're on a little farm up in Newberry Springs. We don't see a lot of people go a lot of places. Basically, we come to church, and Mrs. Pastor's the one that goes to the store, and I sit in the car, and she goes, I'm not much of a store person. I was thinking, man, all these things that are going on in the country today, all this uh, isolations and whatever else they call all this stuff, I sit on the news what's going on, and I know that some of you out there, that you're out there in the workforce every day, and you're probably hearing a lot of negative talk, a lot of things going on, and the places you go, what you have to listen to. So you're probably, most of you probably live in a different world than what I live in, all this school stuff that all the homeschooling going on, and people, what they're doing. And as I was reading that book, I was thinking, wow, there's things here that I've walked in for a lot of years that's helped me. And I think that I'm going to say some things tonight for the book of Revelation that's going to encourage you. As with worshiping God... Uh, the words I was thinking of is this, that things I say tonight will help you more effectively navigate. Navigate through the troubled times we're in. And, you know, I just, like I said, for me, it's almost like it's not real because I'm not around it. You know, there's not a whole lot I have to do at the church. Pastor Dave and Katie, they run the church, and, and I, whatever I do, I basically do uh, online by telephone and things like that. But uh, I know it's real. I know you guys are seeing it. I know you're dealing with it. And I know that the school thing, you know, I just, Mrs. Pastor and I homeschooled basically for lots and lots and lots of years. So that's nothing new to us. But for you, it's a new thing. And so I want to help you some things. So anyway, I was thinking as we were worshiping that uh, I can tell you one thing that Jesus is saying and what he's looking for, the same thing he always has. Jesus is looking for strong believers that don't quit, that don't faint, that don't turn back. And I, I remember when I was first saved, I went to a Jerry Savelle meeting up at Dr. Summerall's church in South Bend, Indiana. And I, me- I remember what Jerry Savelle said. It's always stuck with me in lots lots of times of life. He made this statement. He said, a man of faith... When you're around him, you should never know, you should never know if he needs a million or if he's got a million. Cause he's consistent. He's got joy whether he's broke. He's got joy if he's got abundance. The joy of the Lord's the strength. And I think about us as Christians. You know, they should not know we're Christians cause we trip over the bottom lip. I remember we pioneered our first church back in 1992 when the Lord had to start that first church. We didn't have a name for it. It was getting ready to start church. And so, you know, I, I don't think the Lord really gave it to me. Maybe, you know, maybe it influenced me in my heart. But I was thinking about a lot of Christians that I knew. A lot of Christians that I knew were like the world or even worse. They were depressed all the time. They were dejected. They had no joy. They had no life. And I was thinking about a guy one time when I was a truck driver. Uh, I wasn't a Christian. I remember this one guy, man, he was just a sarpus, down guy. And he talked to me one day. And just all of a sudden, in the midst of all the regular car talk, he says, You need to get saved. Go to my church. And I knew what saved was. And when he said that, I thought, man, if you got a church full of people like you, just let me know where it is so I can run the other direction. I don't want to be like you. And so I was thinking about that when we started our church. And so, you know what? If I'm going to pastor a church, 
I'm going to pastor a church where people have joy. Where they enjoy their Christianity. And then I thought, that'd be a good name for a church. Joy in living. And so I knew that Christians had joy in living when they understood the word of God. And when they got to do what God programmed them to do. You know, I knew, I knew that everybody in a church is not called to be a teacher. Some are. Everybody in the church is not called to clean the church. Some are. Everybody in the church is not called to be on the praise and worship team. Some are. And so I, I made, I made the decision back then as a new pastor that I would, number one, teach people the word of God, how to live a victorious Christian life. And then number two, what God put in their heart to do, I would make sure I could do everything I could do to open the door for them. We got people in this church right here that would be so intimidated to get up here and give a testimony tonight. But they love to work behind the scenes, cleaning these seats, cleaning the bathrooms, doing whatever they can do to make things work, and that's where their gift is at to do that. And then there's some people in here that they'll they'll clean things and do things like that. But their heart's not really in it. They do it for all their might unto the Lord. But their hearts are getting to teach something sometimes. Or get to sing a song. Or get to play an instrument. Or get to work with children and things like that. And so that, that's what we're talking about. God wants Christians to live a victorious Christian life. And when Christians are in a good church that teaches the word. And then they get to do what God's called them to do. Then when they go out into the workforce. Around unsaved family people. They're automatically full of joy because they're enjoying life. Amen. They don't have to, they don't have to think about how to read something off a three by five card to witness or share a verse because it just comes out of them because they're enjoying life. Amen. Amen. That, that was for free. I don't know where that came from, but it's, it's good to be in a church that teaches the word of God. Amen. Amen. And so what does Jesus say to hide as a word server in 2020? And so I think about these seven churches here. And there's things that Jesus is always saying that's for every church. Hey man, Jesus wants Christians to go to church. He wants them to be submissive. He wants them to tithe. He wants them to learn how to worship. He wants them to love one another. There's so many things he says, but I want to look at some things in chapter one because really I want to get to chapter three is where I was headed to, but I was thinking chapter one would help you because you need to see some things through the eyes of Jesus, how Jesus sees things. And so, chapter 1, we know that uh, John's on the Isle of Patmos, and Jesus appears to him and starts talking to him. But I want you to look at verse 12. I just want to show you this so you'll understand these churches. Revelation 1, verse 12. I'll give you a chance to get there and turn there so you can see this. And, you know, a lot of the book of Revelation, man, you really, you really have to have some help to understand it, but these first three chapters to me is easy to understand because Jesus has spoke to me through these chapters for probably 40 years. And, and they're, they're really, really easy to understand. And so John said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks or lampstands. And in the midst, in the middle of the seven candlesticks, the lampstands, lampstands, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girded about uh, the chest with the golden girdle. And so he's starting to describe Jesus and then he tells what Jesus looks like. So he says, the voice was coming from one that looked like the Son of Man in the middle of a bunch of lampstands. And that's really important. So then, uh, skip over a few verses and look at verse 16 and says, and he... And he's talking about Jesus, had in his right hand seven stars. He was standing in the middle of a bunch of lampstands, and he had in his hand seven stars. And so then you get down to verse 20, and this is, this is, this is so plain. Pastors need to know this. Church members need to know this, how Jesus does things. And so the mystery, verse 20, this is Jesus talking to John. And John wrote it for us because Jesus told him, write this down so the pastors of the churches will know this. And so the mystery of the seven stars with thou sawest in my right hand and seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels. 
Well, that angels there comes a Greek word means messengers. And a lot of times in the Bible, when that's translated, it's actually translated messengers, but sometimes it is real angels, but messengers. And so he says, says the, the seven uh, stars are the seven golden, the seven, mystery seven stars, I saw his right hand, the seven stars are the messengers of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches, are the congregations. And so then he starts off in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel or the messenger of the church of Ephesus, right? And so each one of these churches, he starts off the same way. He says, write this for the messenger of that church. Well, as you read these in context, you'll see that the messenger is the pastor of the church. Who's the messenger of the church? It's the pastor. Who's supposed to hear from Jesus to tell the church what Jesus wants to do in that church? It's the pastors. And so as we see these things right here, what Jesus said, now get this, Jesus always gives the direction for the church to the one that's accountable to him for the church. That's the pastor. And so when Jesus gives things to the pastor, when the congregation hooks up, because they trust the pastor here from God because he's got pastor fruit, then that's profitable for the church members. It's profitable for the church. By profitable, I mean spiritually profitable that the church will have light because Jesus is in the midst of the congregations. That's the lampstands, their light. He says, we're the light of the world. And then, you know, a couple of things Tony pointed out in that book I really like. He said, he's, he's looked, at, looked at things down here compared to natural things with spiritual things. We know that the sun is a great light. But the moon, the stars, they're dimmer from what we see. The sun's got the main light. And so Jesus is the great light. And so in the midst of those candlesticks is Jesus. And he outshines them all. But at the same time, he's in the congregation and we're the little lights, but Jesus should shine brighter through us than any light. And then think about this. And this part here that I'm going to say has always been a blessing to me, but it's also been scary to me. And unless you're a pastor or a five-fold ministry, you don't know how scary it really is. It said, Jesus said, at my right hand, I'm holding the pastors. Amen. Well, that's really good, but if you're not walking right and obeying Jesus how you lead, it's not good. Because Jesus holds pastors, and this is him telling John, said, you tell these guys this, said, I got them in my hand, and I'm walking through the church. And so he's holding us so close to him that he's protecting us. And you know, when, and you know just, just for your information, it's really not good to mess with a man or woman of God in a bad way. I talk about your words, your actions, slander, lying, gossip, because when a pastor's in Jesus' hand walk with Jesus, you can get in trouble real fast and really be in trouble. But at the same time, the pastor has got to stay, stay soft and pliable and hooked up to Jesus because we're right there, man. He can put the squeeze on us real quick. Amen. Not that he would do that in a mean way, but he's holding us that close. And so this book, when we get in, I want everybody to get one of these copies of this book. It's really, really a good book. I'm, on, I'm just on about chapter four right now. I've been going through this thing slow. But it's really good. But can you see that in, the, in Revelation right here that Jesus said, I'm walking through the midst of the churches. As we see these seven churches, Jesus looks at these churches. If, you, if you've ever studied these chapters of Revelation, you'll see that Jesus looks at all the churches. He looks at the pastors, and he does what I, I learned it off of Jesus. I call it the sandwich effect. He starts off saying, you know what? You're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this, and I commend you for it. That's really good. But I've got something against you. Here's what you're not doing, and I'm going to tell you, you need to get together and get your church start heading in this direction because they're missing it. And then he gets done by saying things like this. And now I want to tell you, you overcome, you get the crown of life. You overcome, you're going to walk with me. And things like that. So he always starts off by saying good things 
Then he challenges you. And then he wraps up with good things. And isn't that just like Jesus? And so if you're going to be a pastor after God's own heart, we got to be able to hear from Jesus and let the church know what we're doing right. And then at the same time, what I learned a long time ago, Jesus gets on my case, then i got to get on your case. But Jesus compliments me, then I can pass it right on to you. And I don't have any correction or anything. Not about saying that. I'm just saying, this is how God works through pastors. He lets them know. And when we see the church starting to head in the wrong direction, say, for example, a church might start turning into a gossipy church where people start to get that spirit of gossip coming through. And that's the pastor's job to nip that in the bud because we're not, we're not, we're not called, we're not called to expose people. We're called to help people. And, and when we see people, when we see brothers and sisters of the Lord, they're starting to get in trouble in sin and doing things. We're not charged, we're not called to knock them down. We're called to pick them up. First of all, in prayer. And so when pastors see things like that starting to happen, then Jesus gets on our case. And that's one thing that I learned a long time ago. Man, I want to get these things I got here. This is just coming out now. I learned a long time ago because I know that, uh, that in my house, the Bible says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. As I know in my house, I answer to God for the direction of my house. And so because I answer to God for the direction of my house, I better spend enough time with him to know the direction. Amen. You know, he gave, he gave that call to Adam. And, you know, Eve wasn't even on the earth yet when God told Adam what to do. And so by the time the devil come around, he hit Eve. And Adam stood right there and did nothing to take care of the thing. And Adam's the one that had to answer for it. And so the husband answers for the family. At the same time, the pastor answers for the church. And that's something that, as a baby pastor, I had to learn because as we were starting a new church, people come in, they thought, well, it'd be this kind of a church. They thought, well, it'd be this kind of a church. And so as, as a new, as a new pastor, I wasn't bold enough and strong enough. I let everybody come in, jerk me every way for a while. And I thought, okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. And finally, I got a hold of the program. Wait a minute. I have to answer for this. And <clears throat> so I got to where I could say no to every good idea people wanted. And I got to where I could say, well, if you want that kind of a church, there's a church right down here on Main Street in Barstow. That's the kind of church they are. You probably belong there. Well, you know what? There's one of those over here on Barstow Road. If that's the kind of church that you think you ought to be at, they got one over there on Barstow Road, but that's not the kind of church we are. Here's the kind of church we are. Amen? Because God talks to the pastor, and he's the messenger for Jesus to the church. And so I learned that over the years. That's worked really well. But I want to get to Revelation chapter 3, <clears throat> the church of Philadelphia. And I'll, I'll tell you where, the, where this came from. We're going to be looking down here in Revelation chapter 3 at verse 6 is where we're going to start at. And then I'll tell you when the Lord taught this to me, this particular church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 6. And this is Jesus talking to the pastor for the church. And he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. How many know that Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever? And Jesus still has the Holy Spirit speak to the pastor and to the congregation. And that's why, that's why I tell you all the time that because you have the same Holy Spirit that I have, that when Jesus gives me something to teach, or gives Pastor Dave, Mrs. Pastor, whoever's up here teaching, we got a lot of good people in the church that they get to teach the Word here, that it's the same Holy Spirit. So when we're teaching the Bible, the Holy Spirit that inspired the words that are written, when He has us teach those words, that's the same Holy Spirit that will bear witness with your spirit, even if your head goes tilt. Because sometimes, because people have been religiously brainwashed by non-biblical doctrine in other places. They come in, and then they hear the real word of God, as Jesus said it. That's why we teach you your spirit being. You possess a soul, living in a physical body. That's why sometimes you got to say, Head, shut up. I'm not listening to you. I'm listening with my heart. Holy Spirit's in my heart, not in my head. And that's why I said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why, that's why you've got to say, head, shut up. Healing's for today. 
Jesus wants everybody healed. Speaking in tongues for today. He wants you to fill the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Tithing's for the day. He wants you to tithe. He wants you to give offerings. Love and forgiveness is for today. All those different things that are out there that too many Christians don't understand yet. When the Word of God's taught, says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit, what the Spirit saith to the church and the Holy Spirit in a church like this and not just a cloud coming through the church just a puff of smoke, the Holy Spirit primarily speaks to the pastor to speak to you because that's what Jesus said. He said, talk to the messenger of the church and tell him this is what I want to say. Amen? Is that helping you seeing those things? Amen. And you know, the reason I'm saying that, I want to say it again. When I was praying this morning, I was thinking, man, all these things going on in the world right now, I see them on the news, and I don't get to see you all very much, and we don't get to see very much. We don't have that meet and greet for so long to get to have our little stories and testimonies. don't have a prayer line where we get to lay hands on people and pray and hear what's going on and be able to, those, those kind of things. So I realized this morning that you guys go through a lot of stuff. And this is one thing you see as I share these things, that this is where you get your victory because Jesus has this set up for you. And when you understand how the system works, it's going to help you that much more. Amen? And so back in back in December of 1992, I was a baby pastor. And I didn't know a whole lot about anything. I was a strong believer because I've been a believer for a lot of years. And there's a difference between sitting out there being a strong believer and then God bringing you up a level, giving you a gift to pastor and teach and putting you up here. Because when you're up here, you don't just answer for yourself or for your family, you answer for a lot of people. And so when you come up to that different level there, there's things you thought you knew, if found out you really didn't know, because it's not the same thing, and you'll be like a corporation. It's one thing to be an employee, or you get to be a low-level supervisor. It's another thing if you're the CEO that's responsible to everybody for the whole corporation. That changes everything, how you see things, decisions you make, because... When you're a corporate leader and you make a decision, it doesn't just affect you and your family, it might affect thousands. When you're a pastor and you make a decision about the direction of the church, it doesn't just affect you and your family anymore. Okay, I don't like that. I just want to go to church now for a while. Well, you're the pastor. You have to go to church and look at those ugly faces. And by ugly faces, I'm talking about when you make decisions... When you make decisions and people say, well, I don't like that. We always did it this way. Well, where I went to, we never did it that way. Well, go back then. They're probably still doing it that way. No. So what I'm saying is I learned, I learned as a baby pastor that when I hear from Jesus, everybody doesn't instantly fall in love with what it is he wants us to do. But the thing is, what I've learned now, being a seasoned veteran pastor after all these years, when you get a track record of having successes, then all of a sudden makes it easier for people to hook up. They think, wow, 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 this is really good. It's changing things. I'm willing to do it because I can see that he's really following Jesus. Amen? And so in 1992, our church was still meeting in the YMCA. And I'll tell you what, you haven't had church to be at a YMCA on Sunday morning and all those uh, sweaty people come in there working out in the swimming pool and you come, uh, man, what the smell. <laughs> I can't explain what that's like. But anyway, we were going to have we we're going to have a New Year's Eve service and our church was very, very young. And the Lord gave me this Revelation chapter 3 to preach to the church that night for our New Year's Eve service. And I did in the YMCA and these, these verses that I'm going to share with you has carried me in the ministry all my years of pastor. I still go back to them. These verses applied to me for what God called me to do in Martinsville, Indiana. And these verses carried right here, right out here in the high desert of California. And so because they're for me, the messenger of the church, and you're the messages, then they're for you. And these have always given me confidence. They've always encouraged me. They always helped me walk in victory, no matter what the church faced. So anyway, I'm just going to look at a few things here and uh, give you a little history on the verses there. And I believe it'll help you. And so verse 7 says this, 
and to the messenger of the church in Barstow, write these things. And I don't know about you, but I always take the word for me personally. When God's talking to me, I put my name in it. And so I'm the messenger of the church in Barstow. Not all the churches, but this church in Barstow. Write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. I didn't know what any of that stuff meant until Jesus told me, and he taught me that day. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth, no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Well, we did not have a denomination backing us back then. We were brand new. I was still driving a truck. And so if God didn't open the doors for us, they didn't open. God had to make things work. And he'd have the key of David. So Jesus told me, look up the key of David. I looked up the key of David, and back in those days, over there in the Middle East, people in the city that had authority had a great big wooden key that they carried around their neck on a chain or whatever, and people in the city, if they saw them, knew they've got authority because they've got the key to the city. You ever heard of the expression, the key to the city? Well, anyway, he told me, and that key represented authority. He told me, I've given you authority in Martinsville, Indiana. Amen. Now I want to tell you this for you, because I said I want to bring this around to you. How many know that Matthew 18, 18 says, whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He said, I give you authority in Luke 10, 19 over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall maybe hurt you. So I want to ask you this. Jesus told me to ask you this tonight. In the times that we're going through right now, are you using your authority? Are you binding the devil? Are you treading upon serpents and scorpions and demons? Or are demons tormenting you? Amen. And so anyway, I'll fast forward from December, from December of 1992 to February of 1993. A very interesting thing happened. We got to move from the YMCA to a storefront in downtown Martinsville. A little storefront building, a little hole-in-the-wall place. And our guys were getting that fixed up. And I, 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 was, I was in there, I'd come in there on Saturday as they were getting things fixed up. And this, uh, he might be watching, so I just, you know, we're on the thing right now. Anyway, this guy come walking in. And a little old guy, about he was shorter than me, a little old goatee, great goatee like that. Uh, this hillbilly town come walking in like that, wearing a pair of blue jeans and a flannel shirt, walk around, says, Hi, uh, you the pastor here? I said, Yeah. He said, uh, My name's Phil Deckard. If you need anything, just let me know. I'll help you. I thought, Who is this little hillbilly guy? I don't know think about him. I said, What in my town? Jesus sent me there. Well, he left, and my music minister was one of the guys helping, and he said, Pastor, you know who that was? I said, no, who was it? He said, that's the mayor. As soon as he said that, Jesus took me back to Revelation chapter 3, said he's got the wooden key around his neck. He's got the keys to the city. And Jesus told me this, said he's got the natural keys, you've got the spiritual keys, and I'm hooking you up with him so you can do what you need to do. On our one-year anniversary, he preached in my church. Amen. And so I want to say this to you. For the times that we're navigating through, you're not just a natural person. You're a supernatural person. Jesus has given you favor with the authorities. Are you walking in it? You need to walk in your authority. You've got that spiritual key around your neck there. You have authority. Amen. He said, he said, he said, he said to tell the messenger this, to tell the church. And then Jesus will open doors for you. That no man can open. Jesus will shut doors that you don't have no business going through. Well, how do you know if something's from Jesus or not? If it's a door that needs to be opened or if it's closed, I'm trying to get through it. That's where you have to be a person that prays in the spirit, gets in your prayer closet, listens to your heart, because sometimes you might knock some doors down to get through them and then be so sad after you did it. Think, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Amen. And so Jesus is the one that's going to make a way for you. And so those keys represent authority. 
and Jesus opened the doors for you. And then verse 8, I like this. He said, I know thy works. I know thy works. And he knows your not works. In other words, Jesus knows what you're doing that he called you to do. And as a pastor, and for you as a believer, it ought to be scary for you to know that if you're not doing what you know you're supposed to do for Jesus, that he knows that too. How many believe that Jesus is smarter than you? Amen. And, and you know, I, I like what I heard a, a, a preacher say one time, and it's, I, it's still good. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Somebody says, oh, pastor, I just feel so inadequate. Welcome to my world. <laughs> pastor, I, I, I could never do that. Welcome. <laughs> How about Philippians 4.13? Do you ever quote Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In these times we're living in, let me ask you this. This is the message you're hearing from Jesus to talk to this church. All the different things going on through life right now. How many times through this homeschooling, through job things, through all the restrictions in society right now, has the devil told you, I'll just quit. Just stop. There's no use. What's the use? And you get around all the whiners, the complainers, the crybabies all around you everywhere like that. And they're complaining about politics. They're complaining about all the things going on. Don't let that get on you. Amen. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You will have what you say, Jesus said. And so you, when all these things are going on, everybody's telling you how bad it is. Find you some verses like Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm walking with God. God's the one that opened this door. God's the one that gave me authority here. God gave me favor here. And the devil's not running me off my job. The devil's not running me out of my house. The devil's not making me quit my church. The devil's not stealing God's tithe from me. Amen. you got to stand up and use your authority. Amen. Can you see that? And see these things here on the, on the pastorate level. I've had to walk in these things all my pastorate life. There's been times with this church and other churches with the financial crisis. And what am I going to say? Well, uh, we'll get out and cry to the people, tell them, guys, we're three months behind on the light bill, so we're just not going to have church this week to save some money. That's not the way it works. And if you can't, if you can't use your faith to pay your light bill as a believer, then you'll never have faith to pastor a church and lead people. Because it all starts at the level, the seat you're in. You gotta use your faith out there to be able to use your faith for bigger things. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'll just look at a couple more things because we're running out of time. But this, this, this is so good. Verse 10. And to me, this speaks, this speaks to all of you and all of us at Christians Everywhere for the times we live in. Because you have kept the word, and that always jumps off me, the word, the word of my patience, I will also keep thee, I'll protect thee from the hour of temptation, or I'll protect thee in the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And so Jesus said, Now listen to this, because you guard the word of God in your life, he said, I'm going to take care of you through what you're going through. And he said, and you know what, this really, this really to me speaks for today. He said, what's coming on the whole world? We're in the last days. This is the end times, but God gave a qualification there. Jesus said, because you kept my word and been patient, he said, I'm guarding you and protecting you. We're talking about navigating through these troubled times. And then something else here that jumps off me right here. Verse 11, behold, I come quickly. Now this here is critical. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Hold that fast. What that tells me is this. 
You know, I look at I look at the different military people. We got we got a lot of people in here that were soldiers, Marines, Navy, and different things. And one thing that I know in the military, that's a good thing to do. And Tony probably knows about this for sure. He's been in a lot of places. Is this when you gain ground, you don't want the enemy to take it back, man? When you fought, you've seen people get hurt, you've lost friends, and you've gained ground. Last thing you want to do is get lazy and say, man, we got it now. Let's just go party somewhere like this and let the enemy come back in. That's what happens to too many Christians. They don't hold fast to the spiritual ground they've gained. Temptation comes to buy another pack of cigarettes. Temptation comes to go back to booze. Temptation comes to get back in sexual sin. Temptation comes to back off and quit going to church and do other things like that. Jesus said, hold fast. If you've gained ground, what's Jesus said to High Desert Word Center in 2020? Same thing he said back here. Hold fast. The ground you've gained, don't give up. Don't get back to perversion. Don't get back to being a party animal. You've gained this ground. Keep fighting the good fight of faith against the more ground. And just always remember this. He's talking to pastors here to talk to the churches. And if I lose ground in my life, it can affect a multitude of people. You know, when a believer falls, it hurts the people close to him. But when a pastor falls, it hurts a lot of people. And so he's telling the pastors, hold fast to what you've learned Keep walking in it, keep growing. But at the same time, he's telling you, because there's a lot of people in your realm of influence. There's family members, there's friends, there's fellow employees. And whether you know it or not, you're not always conscious of it. You've gained a reputation because you go to this church. Amen. We're kind of known as a fanatical crowd. You know, people kind of, people kind of talk about us. We're the, we're, the, we're the tongue talkers, we're the fanaticals, we're the grab it and blabbits, we're the name it and claimants. We're the ones that watch what we say. And because of that, there's people who work side by side with you. There's family members, they watch you every step of the way. And in their heart, they're wanting you to make it. But the devil's lying to their head, they're watching for you to slide. Amen. And so anyway, I'll just read about one more verse, we'll close it down. Uh, verse 12. Him that overcometh, him that overcometh, him that overcometh, all of us are facing some battle in life. Big battles, little battles, there's something going on. And if you don't have anything going on right now, I give you a word just from experience in life, you'll be challenged again. Something will come again. But Jesus said, Him that overcometh, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. You keep on doing you know do. He said, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. And so anyway, we'll close with verse 13. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so... These first three chapters of Revelation are so good, he warns you about not being lukewarm. He warns you about backing off. He encourages you to keep loving, keep giving, keep going to church, keep serving Jesus. So I want to tell you, I'm proud of this church family. I'm proud of everybody here. I'm proud of the ones that are not here tonight because we as a church family have not let the dumb stuff of the world kick us down to depression. We're walking with Jesus, and just like Jesus said, the lampstands or the churches, our lights shining bright. They're going to keep on shining. Amen, amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. That was some good teaching right there, man. That was some, I mean, looking at the book of Revelation right there, what... Jesus was speaking to the churches that applies to us so much today and we need to we need to realize that man that this is the hour that uh, that that was prophesying to us about and it's time for us to 
rise up, and I am proud of this church, and I am proud of these people, you people, for standing up and not backing down and still serving Jesus, still being loud and proud, amen, singing his praises, amen, it's a great time to be alive, I keep saying it, but it's the absolute truth, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight, who had a good time hearing the word of God, high desert word center, word center, amen, we preach, we teach, we study, and we love the Word of God. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray over you tonight. We'll dismiss you, and then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. And so I just remind you, we're going to have a great time Sunday at service, 10 o'clock. And I remind you one more time that there will be uh, voting and stuff going on over there. So we're going to kind of try to stay over here and mind our own business and let them mind their own business. And we'll all just get along and have a wonderful time. So, But keep an eye on your kids Sunday, too, that they don't go running over there. And uh, we just want to keep everybody safe and protected and have a good time. Amen. So let's pray over you tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the word that we heard tonight. And God, we know it's true. We know that you are with us. We are not alone. We are not forsaken. You are with us every step of the way. And God, I pray that as we finish out this week, just a few more days left in it, God, that we are going to be the light of the world to Barstow. We're taking hope. We're taking healing. We're taking salvation everywhere we go, God. And we are blessing people in your name. We ask you to use us this week. Put us in the game, coach. We want to be used. Give us a chance to show your love and your glory to those around us. We praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Say that. Okay, my mom wants me to remind you of the time change this weekend, all right? So, hey, you don't want to show up on, not on time. I mean, come on, you don't want us to make fun of you, right? Okay, so let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over Barstow. Let's do it, all right? So let's say this together. All right, I, I've got people wanting to do this. Is, do I have a volunteer? I, I, I've always got the same kids. I go, okay, I've got, I've got who, who's going to do it? Well, I don't have an adult. I never have adults volunteer for this stuff. Who's going to do it? Leanne. Leanne raised her hand. Come on up. There we go. <laughs> yes. Come on. You don't realize how fun it is till you're up here doing this and the whole crowd's going with you. It's a great time. And you, you just got to step out of the box and do it. But there it is if you need it. We declare that Barso is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barso is healed. Barso is prosperous. Barstow is safe, Barstow is strong, Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation, Barstow is full of love, joy, peace, Barstow is full of the glory of God, Barstow is coming to Jesus, Barstow is safe, in the Jesus' name, amen. Yes, hallelujah, we will see you Sunday.